Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca and your host. In today's episode, I'm chatting to celebrated multidisciplinary designer and recipient of the Mecca NGV Women in Design Commission, Bethan Laura Wood. Hi everyone, hope everyone's really well. I've literally just arrived back from a whirlwind trip to see all of our brands. We were in the US, then we were in Europe, we were in Paris, Stockholm, and I finished off in London, which was lovely to kind of go back there. And so I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little bit jet lagged, but it's been a whirlwind trip just before Christmas. And what was so great was seeing what is new in beauty and talking to all of our amazing brands. Today, I've come straight into the studio with the pleasure of being joined by a very special Londoner, the incredibly talented Bethan Laura Wood. If you're not familiar with her work or why she's here, Bethan is the recipient of the 2023 Mecca. NGV Women in Design Commission, a major series inviting internationally renowned female designers and architects to create a significant new work for the NGV collection. And the NGV, for those that don't know, is the National Gallery of Victoria. Bethan's radical approach to materiality, colour and pattern through furniture, objects and installations has garnered a cult following all around the world and presence in galleries and museums across the world, including the Art Institute of Chicago, San Francisco's MoMA and the Victorian Albert Museum. Bethan is the second recipient of the annual five-year commission series, which is made possible by a significant contribution from Mecca's social change programme, Empower, which champions equality and opportunity for women and girls, including elevating women in art and design. Bethan's piece, Kaleidoscope Arama, was revealed this week and is nothing short of spectacular. It's free to visit as part of the NGV's triennial exhibition from now until April, and I recommend you see it as soon as you can. But first, let's get into the interview. Well, today we have a very special guest. We have Bethan Laura Wood here, all the way from the UK, who is our um, 2023 Women in Design Commission recipient, um, which is a partnership we do with the NGV. And we are so, so excited to have you here in your full colourful glory. You look absolutely amazing. I need to find out about your nails in particular because they caught my eye. But welcome. Welcome to Melbourne. How are you feeling? Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm good. I'm having a nice like roller coaster of jet lag time at the moment. <laughs> so I'm I'm either very awake. Yeah. Or I'm 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 in a space universe. It's a kind of floating feeling, isn't yeah. it? What day are you on? Day three of the trip. Is that about right? A day. A some day. Days. Some day. You've been here at a, some point. A, a few days of yes. some sort. Yes. And it's some the nights. end of the week. Apparently, now <laughs> I arrived at the beginning of the week. <laughs> So somewhere in between there, there were some days. Oh, my goodness. And tell me, how did it feel seeing... I mean, we started talking to you about a year ago and the sort of idea and the concept that you had then for this commission was really just a sparkling thought then. And then how does it feel to see it in situ, in reality, at the National Gallery of Victoria? All the way down under. (laughs) No, it's it's really lovely to see the pieces all together in the space. It's the first time that I've been able to see all the elements together. Yeah. I've seen like samples for some pieces. I went and visited the the large bookcase at different points mm-hmm. of its construction. So some bits I know, 
but it's very different when you get to see them properly in the space and mm. also with the sonography and the audiovisual em- elements that we've developed within the installation and then with the historical pieces as well. It really, you know, really has um, a full kind of the atmosphere. Wow factor. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's one of the most lovely things to do with this particular commission and that it's it's both a piece that's going to live in the permanent collection, mm-hmm. but also that it's being launched as part of the Triennale and this kind of installation um, and kind of showcase of a, yeah, a contemporary blue stocking salon. So I'm, I'm, I was very excited when I got to see the... The baby on show. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to see it tomorrow. Um, And tell me a little bit about yourself and your kind of creative journey so far. So you are um, based in the UK. You do amazing art. You do amazing kind of big concepts and sculptures and, and all sorts of things. But... It would be wrong of me to describe it because I think the colour and the sort of magic comes from you. So tell us a little bit about how how you got into this in the first place, but also how you would define yourself as an artist. So I trained in um, what's called three-dimensional design, say that I have a multidiscipline practice. Mm. So... I work across different scales, different fields, but it all comes from having a core um, starting point that's connected with um, objects and furniture and things that um, you use in kind of everyday Mm -hmm. life, but maybe abstracted or replaced within different contexts. And, And I like that kind of play within the kind of design sphere where I can kind of float around and um, it predominantly, but not always, may have some colour on it and a pattern. But most of my work has um, a layered quality to it. So that that might be a layering of both colour, pattern and form, or it may be... um, a layering of um, concept and then one of those. and But the, there tends to be a different levels, hopefully, that you can enter yeah. into it or that you can take from it depending on what you're bringing to the, to the work as a viewer and what you're interested in engaging with. So when you were at school and when you were sort of thinking about which kind of career journey to take, was it always the arts that kind of inspired you or... Um, what was it that sort of, t- sort of brought you to where you are today, which is doing some of the most amazing work? And we have just been like blown away by your creativity, but also your vision for doing something totally unique. And um, I'm just so fascinated to know where that little um, initial spark of inspiration came from. Was it sitting sort of looking at art books or was it going to a gallery or was it just there and in your soul? Uh, a mix of all those things, probably. I, I think I've always needed to make and create, so I've, I've always been doing some sort of crafting from a young age. I, I did a lot of drawing and pastels and then paper mache and sewing and all different things that you can kind of get your hands on as a as a child, and uh, then I've just never stopped doing it, really. <laughs> I love so, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I used to do that, and I stopped. Whereas you carried on and pushed on. You have done some amazing pieces of work. Obviously, this this um, commission that you've done for the National Gallery of Victoria is really super impressive. But you've done some other big pieces too. So tell us a little bit about some of the other highlights of your career so far. So in terms of um, kind of larger projects that I've undertaken or for a mix, I, I had a lovely project with a um, champagne brand called Perry Jouet. 
So for them, I did um, a large sculptural piece. Or I did several pieces, but it started mm-hmm. off with um, a large sculptural tree um, that needed to be able to travel around um, different countries. And so this was a real challenge to make something that was like two meters kind of tall and two meters wide, but that could break down into something smaller and like bridge this gap mm-hmm. uh, between a kind of sculptural art piece and then something that was an activation um, and connected to the champagne heritage. And then from that piece, I, I designed multiple installations along the language of this kind of hyper nature universe that we created. Mm-hmm. So this was a really nice project for me that that went over a couple of years and I got to do kind of the larger end of my practice, yeah. more space based pieces. I've also done going all the way down in scale to projects like uh, clasps and handles that I did for um, handbag leather brand called um, Velextra, which uh-huh. is an old Beautiful, school kind of brand, yeah. minimalist leather brand. And that was really nice to go to this much smaller, yeah. uh, very specific scale and the kind of jewelry that goes on the bag and redeveloping the language of a handle a around its function, but also the way you hold it, and mm-hmm. then including the, those forms within the graphical quality of the of the handle form. So this was a really nice project that I, I, I've been very proud to make, and it's really nice to see when yeah. people have those you bags. You see it walking down the street, yes, and you're exactly. like, that's my handbag, that's my, you know, the sort of clasp, etc. But how how interesting as well to get so such different commissions, and does that, do you ever get a commission where you think, there's no way I can pull this off, or there is, I just can't get my head around that, or do you always think there is some, there's some way that I can crack this? Um, sort of idea and and then where would you get that inspiration from like with most creatives I think we have this healthy balance between the kind of fear yeah. window <laughs> and then a window where you like yeah I got this I got this <laughs> so it's 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 like a healthy balance I always enjoy the collaborative process mm. especially within the design industry because you don't necessarily know 100% what the outcome is going to be because you need to have this dialogue between you and the partner. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that partner may be a material partner and um, other times it may be a brand who has a set nuance of identity or something within their history that they want to explore. Mm -hmm. And then it's this kind of journey you go on together where you're, you're kind of delving into things that are not from from your background but from your partner's background and then finding a a place where they can work together or Mm -hmm. make a new uh, language or a new conversation and I always find that super interesting but it can take time sometimes you can get it straight away and other times you have to kind of spend a bit of time going yeah. down different alleys to kind of find the right nuance of what's going to work for your collaboration. I love the idea of the sort of the fear balance of like, this is terrifying, can't do it. And then I've so got this nailed, this is going to be amazing. So yeah, I think lots of creatives would would feel that as well. And tell us a little bit about this Women in Design Commission um, for Mecca um, and NGV, because it's pretty special. And I think when you first started talking to us about this, it was about vanity tables, and it was about sort of creating rooms and houses, but you do a better job than me. It was, I think when we first were talking, I I was covering or looking at lots of different angles of how to integrate in both um, something connected quite directly with the the commission, which is about women in design. Yeah. 
And then also the placement of the work. I knew it was going to be in the British Regency space in the NGV, which houses Regency and then 18th and 19th century pieces. So it was also important for me to find a way to connect those two things together. And so it was a lot of fun going down different kind of rabbit holes of different (laughs) directions. But I kind of really started to focus on the idea of looking at the blue stockings, which is um, the name of gathering of women um, started to happen within the Regency period, um, where they would come together to share knowledge, to share political views, to um, really push and advocate for women's learning. And it just felt like a really great fit with um, uh, the work that Mecca does uh, in connecting women with education and with empowering women Mm. through different um, activities. So I like this idea of um, making a contemporary take on this and then having some uh, nods and nuances of other things that I was influenced by or interested in from this period, yeah. um, but not being too fixated on the aesthetic being incredibly connected to um, particular regency. There's a few nods to things, like if you if you look at the bottom of my rotational bookcase, it has these kind of... Um, ball feet that are a little nod to kind of the lion claw feet that you see on a lot of this kind of uh, furniture. And then uh, I like the idea of um, doing a bookcase that was accessible from all sides Mm -hmm. and that would encourage a kind of circle of women because there's always a slight fear of what happens when a group of women get together, (laughs) you know. Um, So I like the idea of um, encouraging that... um, uh, kind of gathering and then being able to access from different viewpoints and and that being a nod to the importance of opening up education and hearing different types of views. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Amazing so, the amount of thought and like creative thinking that goes into something like this. It's, you know, it's, it's an exceptional piece. And if you could describe it to people who have never... Um, or cannot get to the NGV, but they want to know what, what we're talking about here. It, to your point, it's a rotational bookcase. What about the sort of fabrication and the textures and how you actually created it? So if you imagine a kind of column form in the middle that's the size of a tall woman mm-hmm. and and with a width of, a, of having like a, a large hoop skirt, so mm-hmm. there's there's some proportionality that's also connected to a women's shape and then this is covered in a multicolored veneer that I've developed as part of the project that's made from very kind of strong color combinations and this is all over the um, layers of the bookcase and it looks kind of like a extruded out kaleidoscope. Um, I love that. We were just talking about that actually about the sort of this like sort of kaleidoscopic starburst element mm. around it which is beautiful. Yeah, I I when I was doing the research around the period I loved that the kaleidoscope was actually patented right in the regency period and was almost this kind of iPhone of the time that people were kind of walking down streets, looking down and walking into lampposts because they were so distracted by kind of the the beauty of the mm. vortex of pattern. And I, I like the idea of embracing uh, that as a motif for the the piece and the, that feeling of movement, both 
physically for the bookcase to move, but also that this feeling of movement within the patination. There should be a lot of uh, visual stimulus yeah. that you can get from the piece. And I, I hope different people see different things. That The book matching that we've done with the veneer, which is, if you imagine if you open um a book and the two pages are it's a bit like an ink block yeah when you when you have the two sides and our brains find that very stimulating in a way to imagine shapes and forms when we have a couple of pointers especially that have a symmetry to them it's a known thing that sets our brains to start being able to imagine and I, I liked, again, having that nod to creative thinking and having patination that's open to different people's interpretation. So clever. And congratulations on it, because it's, it's a really beautiful piece of work. And how does it feel for that to be going into the triennial? Obviously, that's a huge moment in any sort of artist's career to be part of the triennial. It's really exciting to be part of the triennial. I knew about the triennial in the past because mm-hmm. there's been some really amazing bodies of work that have been developed as part of this platform. So this was really exciting, a little bit scary, but very (laughs) exciting for me. And um, there's so many beautiful things on show uh, this year. I'm really uh, um, hoping to try and get round and and see as much as I can, but there's a lot to take Yeah, there is. Um, But yeah, it's it's really amazing to be part of this um, showcase of creativity and thinking and ways of seeing from different people different voices and I, I yeah it's such an amazing opportunity to be part of so it's it's very exciting and will you take obviously this piece of work that you've done for the triennial for for the um mecca women in design commission as well would you then take inspiration from that piece back to back to your studio in the uk back to work that you're doing will how how will that inform your kind of creative thinking going forward it definitely for me um was important and and is a part of the way I like to work, that this commission allowed me to really form the first kernels Mm. of a a project that I definitely want to carry on. I'd love to create um, new salons in other spaces and and carry on making different ways of um, places for sharing knowledge and developing more with the um, veneering technique Mm. that I've um, been patinating the piece with. So, yeah, there's definitely, hopefully, a a body of work there that I'm going to carry on with. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quite obsessed by it. So I'm I'm definitely going to be making more. Yeah, I'm obsessed by it as well. I think you could could roll that sort of print through and everything through to multiple things. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely stunning. Now, um, Bethan, you yourself have an amazing look. You are obviously super um, expressive with your style and and with your makeup and your beauty as well. And where did, first of all, where did that sort of passion for expressing yourself creatively in that way come from? I think like uh, a lot of... Um Young people uh, at a certain age, you kind of start to play around with makeup, and I'm I, for me, I just didn't see that it needed to be in like maybe the traditional areas where you normally put makeup, and so I I used it as a way to express and play, and I've I've always enjoyed having that element of fun with um with my visual aesthetic. Um, it changes every once in a while, Does but it? generally it's, there's a there's a set <laughs> yeah. look. Um, I've been wearing dots on my face probably since about when I was about nineteen. Um, 
and then I I used to do an eyeliner. So right now I have like a kind of white eyeliner, and then I think today I've got a yellow and then a green. Yeah. And I used to do a makeup similar to this when I was about 16 with and then two little diamantes and then at some point I decided that was ridiculous uh. <laughs> makeup and I moved on to something else and now I, I've kind of realized I've come full You've circle come full back. Circle. But yeah. it's so great because what I I suppose you're you're looking at your own face as a sort of makeup uh, an art canvas as well. So you're really experimenting in really different ways. Your eye makeup is phenomenal. You've got this beautiful color sort of blend. And when you're creating these looks on yourself as well, do you also ever give yourself a day off where you're literally just like bare face in your outfit at home or every day do you think no I'm going to put my put my sort of canvas on it's not every day it's it depends what I'm doing if I'm getting up and I'm going into my studio to work and I'm not part of the work mm-hmm. uh, then I will maybe maybe brush my hair you know if you're lucky but uh, <laughs> my focus is is not connected to my yeah. physicality if I'm um going to work and I have guests coming or I I there's part of me that has to be a um, conduit connected to the work then I feel more comfortable to have my makeup in the way that works for me as a mm. person um and then if I'm having a day off where I'm going to the flower market or the flea market mm-hmm. or to a museum then I enjoy putting my makeup on as a as a um, decoration for myself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, it, it depends whether I'm factoring me yeah. as an entity in what I'm doing that day. And if I'm not part of it, then, yeah, I love yeah, that. It, I, I'm not doing it. But otherwise, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And your nails are so cool. Thank you. You have done, I mean, did you get them done in Australia or did you do them before you left? No, I did them just before I left. Um, it's my uh, wonderful um, um, design um, assistant, and well, second me almost in my studio, Denai, who's worked with me many years. She's very into nails. Ah, so she does them. She doesn't do them for me, ah. but she's the one that got me into it. It's one of those things that um, when we were, we would build projects, like her nails would get, she'd have to cut them off or they'd get really uh, damaged from us, like yeah. banging bits of met- metal together. <laughs> so it became this kind of ritual that when we'd finished a project and maybe we were then going to showcase a project, we'd go and get our nails done. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's like, yeah, it's become part of my ritual that I will get my yeah, they're amazing. nails done. And for because obviously no one can see them, they are, what, four different colours? Five yes. different colours maybe. No, it's uh, four colours, but uh, almost without... Uh, like subconsciously I think I became I was like chose to channel a bit of a Mecca vibe yeah so we've got that beautiful pink and red that's on uh, on a lot of the Mecca uh, logo and then a kind of 70s green um, and, and a blue in a kind of psychedelic French tip I think we all need to be a bit more Bethan and get our nails to be like those because they are so beautiful. We we took some photos of you at the NGV and they my eye was completely drawn to them. For creatives listening today, and there'll be lots of creatives who are fascinated by your work and fascinated by everything that you're doing, what advice would you give to them around finding their own 
creative identity and how you've kind of gone about forging your own path? I think to just give it a go and just try. I think that we can spend, I mean, I still do it myself and I have to catch myself that I, I can I can get in a loop where I'm worrying about whether something is the right direction that I'll spend three days thinking about it and what you need to do is just mock it up, have a go, do a drawing or just get it out. To, and the worst thing that can happen is you're like, oh, that is a terrible idea. But at least you've moved forward to know that instead yeah. of having like the threat of it there. And then you kind of can't move past it because you haven't had a go. Yeah. So I think just... Like courage. Courage and just giving something a go and seeing what it's like because even if it's a hot mess or it's a disaster that's telling you something that you can build off yeah so I think yeah those those are things that I have to always kind of push myself to just be like just try it and see yeah. and then that will take and you somewhere and it evolves doesn't it mm. so what is the future for you what is the after this massive piece of work and this big commission and coming I mean, all the way to outside of this coming what? all the way to Australia to see us and to spend like all of your waking hours with Mecca and the NGV what what is after this what is your next project you're going to work on and how like how do you kind of come off the heels of something quite as monumental as this and move it on to the next stage? I, I mean, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to move on. Yeah, yet. I think I'm gonna. I, I obviously enjoy it for longer. Yeah, I need. I'm very close to it right now. Like, obviously, I've literally just seen yeah. it all together for the first time. And um, because of the time of year, we're going to, it's not, Christmas is not far away. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I will take that opportunity to have a little bit of a digestion period yeah. and then kind of a resetting for the following year. So I, I definitely want to carry on with some things from this project. Yeah. Um, so that some some iterations of this you'll definitely see coming through next year. And then um, I have a few projects that we're already working on for various um, collaborations, so they'll start to drip through. But yeah, right now my brain is only, it's you're, only a land of Mecca here, right now, land of so Mecca. I can't... Uh, and we don't want you to ever go anywhere, so you might have to stay a little bit longer than your <laughs> <laughs> three more days. Um, so a few quick-fire questions, Bethan, um, before we let you go and have a little relax before the next um, NGV Mecca moment. So... What time do you wake up and what is the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, sometimes about seven or eight o'clock I will wake up, but I enjoy um, that peaceful moment of kind of lying in my bed and digesting things. It's normally quite a good window for me to suddenly understand what I need to do. And mm -hmm. then when I actually get up, it's probably timed by the new love in my life, which is a furry little dog oh, called Wilma. Wilma. So at some point she will be like, get up. Gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, you, then we you, go for a walk. Are you um, like kind of those classic creatives where you actually dream through the night of the next kind of creative project you're going to do or you sort of literally, you know, write that story or you, you concept that? Do you ever do that? It's this window of time mm. I was just talking about yeah. now between like when I've first am waking up and when I actually get up. I, I find that quite a useful window yeah. of time to redigest projects that I'm working on or I might start to kind of see where I want to take it next. It's uh, that that window of time is kind of more productive than maybe like the sleeping window oh, of yeah. time for me or the pre-sleep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love that. What time do you get to bed and what is the last thing you do at night? 
So I'm a bit of a night eagle. So it, it depends what I'm working on. Sometimes I quite like working quite late, especially if I'm drawing technicals or something because I get in a rhythm. So normally it's like midnight or one o'clock that I, I'll probably go to bed. Finally, close down. And uh, yeah, and again, this ritual has changed because now <laughs> Wilma comes and says hello to Aww. me for a little cuddle and then she goes off to her bed. What kind of doggy is she? She's a tiny Japanese chin. Oh my gosh, so cute. Um, if you were a beauty product, what would you be and why? Probably I would be like a matte, strong colour lipstick because this seems to be the thing that I use for like everything uh, on my lips for my cheeks for my uh, eyeliner that's quite a, um, a versatile product so something along those veins but maybe very you should colorful. do a, you should probably do a beauty line it would be amazing what is your favorite thing to read watch or listen to at the moment uh well i'm still trying to get through one of the books that's in my library in in the for the project which is um uh, Jennifer Higgy, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, um, which is the, the other side, which is about women in the arts and spiritualism, and it and it covers lots of um, historical um, artists, and um, I, I'm finding that super interesting. So hopefully I'll I'll have um, a bit of time uh, before I get back to London to get through a few more pages. Um, I love watching films and movies, so yeah, yeah this is a is another thing that I. I watch a lot of any kind of, hot tips on movies. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think now. What was the last one that I would admit to watching? <laughs> um, because it's you know when you do a long haul flight, you also oh, you watch, watch loads of trash. Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean it's we all know we all do it. Yeah. And there was a lot of people watching the Barbie movie on my plane. There was just seeing Barbie popping <laughs> up everywhere. But um, yeah, I, in 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 full line with my new life as a dog owner, I watched Best in Show, which <laughs> I haven't watched for years, but I love this film. It's so good. And sometimes you just need to go there, don't you? It's the best way to shut off your brain. What song is a soundtrack to your life right now? Ooh, well, I'm a big Bjork fan, so I, I, anything by Bjork is normally something I would I'd gravitate to play until um, the rest of my team has had enough. You know, like if I put her on nonstop all day, I get <laughs> maybe they're... get told off. Really? <laughs> but uh, Bjork's amazing, so any, anything from she's her. She's amazing, and she is, she's just an icon of doing things her way, right? So, yeah, you're, I love Bjork. She's incredible. What's your favourite Bjork song? I think it's called Generous Palm Stroke. I, I I love the Vespertine album is my my favourite. Soundtrack um, to your life. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bethan. That was incredible. Um, enjoy every moment of this commission and your sort of welcome to Australia and welcome to Melbourne because we are so happy to have you here. There's a big event tomorrow night at the NGV, which is going to be phenomenal. So um, let's just get everybody talking about it, sharing and enjoying your your art. Oh, so thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. And I'm on the roll.